are in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon. Right now it is 106 and you're listening to the John DePietro show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Boy, delightful weather, by the way, as you just heard that forecast. This is uh, I know it's going to get more humid. Boy, we really could use some rain right now. It is uh, 106 on this Wednesday and you're listening to the show on AM 1380 or 99.9 FM. Now remember, if you're in your car. You want to plug that in so you can always find it easily. That AM 1380, it is a flamethrower. So good afternoon, everybody. We have listeners up until the Worcester area, obviously Bellingham, and also into Douglas and um, and Uxbridge. A lot of listeners there and, uh, and all over, really. And then obviously in uh, the northern part of Rhode Island and well into Providence and Johnston, Smithfield, North Smithfield, Burville. Everyone where you can hear my voice, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. But no, uh, delightful weather. You know what's interesting is, um, you know, I thought it was going to rain the other night. All right, so finally tomorrow we're going to get some rain. We could use some rain. I mean, I... Yesterday, I went for a run yesterday afternoon. And then that's it. The rest of the week is dry. Um, I mean, I I don't... I mean, like, now you understand. It's summertime and you don't want a lot of rain, but... But this is, everything looks decimated. I, I, I've I seen one neighbor mowing his lawn. I mean, there's just no one, unless you have automatic sprinklers, everybody else. The grass right now, it looks the way like an, a lawn would look sometimes in, in mid to late August. But um, it is certainly dry. But we could we could use, we could obviously use some rain. Um, it'd be great. It was a came at night. I know anyone, if you've ever been... Um, spent some time one time in Florida in the summertime and um, it every day would pour rain at three o'clock in the afternoon. I've heard it's like that in Hawaii as well. Every day it would pour rain from three to 320 and cool everything off and then the grass is green and and um, and then it it dries up very quickly but but this has been um, some kind of a drought but I'll tell you right now it's a delightful weather would be a good time to go by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. This portion of our program is sponsored by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. I love it there. I was there recently. I had some chowder and clam cakes on a Friday afternoon right outside on their deck. Folks, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off Route 146. You take the Breakneck Hill Road exit. And what I love is the new outdoor deck. Now, you can sit inside. A lot of people do, and plus they have the lounge. But it's delicious food, great staff. I love the crew there. Pop in and see them, the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. And also remember, everyone in the northern part of the state, you can always pop into Case. Uh, delicious food is waiting for you at Case. So I want to get to some of the news of the day. But I want to stress again the inside insider deal of this soccer stadium. Is um, the, the this is totally unnecessary and and, and right now like the, we're we're trying seemingly I'm I'm by the way I'm glad 
that other people running for governor are against it. I think Ashley Kalis should be making more noise that she's against it. Uh, the general public is against it. This is the type of measure. This is not, I want to be really clear at 110 on this Wednesday. This is not about economic development for Pawtucket. This is about the unions strong arming both the mayor of Pawtucket, Don Grabian, and Governor McKee, who are both backing down from George Nee and Sabatoni in the unions that want that stadium built. They want a $100 million project. They don't care if the cost goes to $200 million because then they can just keep adding in. This thing will be a no-bid contract. They'll slap what they call a PLA on it, a public labor agreement. And, you know, who knows? The sky is the limit. This, this thing could end up costing $200 million. They don't care. Don't you understand? They don't care. It's taxpayer money. Right. Paul Savino died the other day. And that scene, remember, folks, when it's George D, when it's organized labor, the best scene, the best way that explains it is that scene when they take over the right poor big Paulie. What do I know? You know anything about running a restaurant? I don't know anything about running a restaurant. Paulie, please. You, you want me to be partners? All right. I don't know. You know anything about running a restaurant? He knows exactly what he's doing because they take over the guy's restaurant. And then what does it become? Blank, you pay me. And no, no, it doesn't matter. They steal all the food. They steal the meat. And then at the end, they just torch the place. Blank, you pay me. They don't care. They move it in through the front. They move it out the back and sell it. You're dealing with a crowd that, that does not care. And, and that is in the form, the labor leader, George Nee, he's Paulie. He's Paulie from, from Goodfellas, right, who just nods. And listens, and it's like, oh, so you want me to be, I don't, I don't know anything about food. This almost doesn't seem fair. You know, Paulie, yeah, I want you to be my partner, blah, blah, blah. <sighs> um, so here's good news. Nancy Pelosi is not calling a vote on the David Cicilline assault weapons ban bill. There we go. Tough loss. Well, there you go. Tough loss for Congressman Cicilline. What else do I see? Um, what what a what a I mean th- this is ridiculous. What is happening with this Pawtucket Stadium is just such a joke. It is, and the whole element of this is because they would just want to build an expensive stadium, and and also conversely. If no one goes to the game or every game is sold out, they don't care. Economic development. When you go to Patriot Place around Gillette, well, the stores around Patriot Place are crowded. But you don't have, there's there's been been no big development on Route 1. You still have all those same businesses are there. It's like going back in time in some ways. Some of those people, they make all their money by selling parking to the stadium on Sundays. For the eight home games. That's what it comes down to. So there's no big development around. Oh, yeah, then it's going to be economic development. That's completely untrue. There's there's none of that. Um, We had Dan McGowan on in in the 
first hour. New survey of likely Democrat primary voters in New Hampshire showed Gina Raimondo polling at 0%. I am telling you right now that is going to change. That is going to change. She is going to start working the the media. She's going to work the media up there. She's going to set her... Boy, here's another Ashley Kalis again. He's going after Governor McKee. What is he hiding? McKee must immediately comply with public records requests regarding to his FBI investigation. What's he hiding? I don't know what he's hiding. Well, we know what he's hiding. Boy, this guy cannot be. Does she have uh, Nancy? Uh, Kathy Gregg has her statement on it. Um. I think it's interesting she's campaigning with Aaron, Lieutenant Governor. I think that's interesting that she is uh, campaigning. Where is she? Uh, Pure Vita Labs in West Warwick. It's a dispensary. Is that what that is? Huh. (laughs) That looks like quite the pose. Is he going to attack her? Um, You know, she's, she's making an argument. She's making an argument. Uh, for too long, the state's been plagued by corrupt politicians like Dan McKee, who care more about giving deals to their friends than serving the people. So the governor's failure to release records related to the FBI investigation. What is he hiding? Rhode Island deserves leaders who follow the rule of law. No exceptions. McKee's claiming Rhode Islanders don't have the right to know if the FBI has issued a subpoena seeking information on the ILO contract. I immediately call on Governor McKee to fulfill the public records request made by multiple news outlets and comply with the open records law. People have already lost faith in the government and distrust grows each day. Dan McKee fails to answer questions regarding his alleged criminal acts. Very good, good. I am glad it is ridiculous. Let's see how his uh, surrogate pork boy is going to try to handle that one. I want to go back to, though, that um, that stadium piece on Channel 10. Uh, McKee answers critics. The, the, the funniest thing in that is the, the George Knee part about, oh, no, the endorsement didn't have anything to do with the vote. It's like in the movie the um, On the Waterfront. Oh, yeah, we was robbed. Yeah, yeah, they broke in last night and stole all our records. Here we go. Water Stadium deal has some interesting political twists. Governor Dan McKee broke a tie to get it through. There were two abstentions and one only in Rhode Island, no vote, from the brother of another candidate running against McKee. NBC 10 political reporter Brian Crandall is here. The Tidewater Project moves on barely with millions in taxpayer money. The vote comes in the midst of a hotly contested election season. The brother of Helena Buonanno Folks, one of Dan McKee's opponents in the governor's race, sits on the Commerce Board and voted against McKee's deal. Bernard Buonanno III tells me by phone his concern is with the viability of the stadium as a standalone project without the original residential and retail phase to go with it. But Buonanno tells me any political motivation is the furthest thing from the truth, that he has not talked to his sister about the deal. Folk's campaign tells me Bornano absolutely did not consult Helena on his decision, but in a previous statement echoed similar concern, saying the development deserves to be more than just a stadium and not confident McKee explored all options. 
Among the other board members voting against the proposal is Michael McNally, who has donated to Folks' campaign and told me today he hopes Folks wins. McNally told me his vote had nothing to do with politics, but was about concern with $60 million going to a minor league soccer stadium without knowing how much more taxpayer subsidy could be needed to complete the surrounding development. On the other side, the president of the Rhode Island AFL-CIO Labor Union, George Nee, voted for the governor's stadium plan just a few hours after the AFL-CIO endorsed McKee in the governor's race. Nee tells me today the endorsement and his stadium vote are not related at all and that he thinks the deal is a good plan to spur economic development and create jobs. The Tidewater plan is coming under fire from other gubernatorial candidates. Nellie Gorbea says she would have voted no and good. calls it another failure of leadership by the McKee administration. Dr. Luis Daniel Moon claims it puts Rhode Island on a path towards 38 Studios yep. 2.0. That's right. Matt Brown points out the head of the Tidewater Development Company and lobbyists donated to McKee. That's right. And Republican Ashley Kalis says McKee is doling out corporate welfare instead of providing relief to families in need. McKee's campaign shoots back saying the deal has strong taxpayer protections and at Gorbea in particular, who leads in the latest poll, that a no vote from her would leave Pawtucket and the region out to dry. You know, it, it, that, that, to try to pit it that somehow we, we owe this to Pawtucket and Pawtucket has to, we, we have to do this for Pawtucket, it, it makes no sense at all. I want to hear a little bit more about the, I just want to play this again, folks, the, the board. McNally, who has donated to folks' campaign. Oh, hold on. Here we go. Where are you? Um, folks, again, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. What happened? Uh, why is that not playing? Damn it. All right, hold on. I want to play it again. I know it's 1.20. Good afternoon on this Wednesday. It's worth it, though. It's worth it. Um, the, the knee thing is ridiculous. Oh, no. He didn't. Folks, this is the ultimate, like, are you going to believe me or your lying eyes? They, they think that the public are just a bunch of imbeciles. They don't, then they don't care. McKee, he will sign anything. To get over the finish line at this point. He really would. I don't think there's anything out of bounds with this project, with the soccer stadium. And I, I also want to applaud the Democrat candidates running who are against it. Totally unnecessary. There's a gift to labor. It's a greedy developer. Taxpayers should not be on the hook for this. Tide water landing. Yeah, the stadium does look beautiful and right by the water and blah, blah, blah. We shouldn't have to pay for it. All right, let me join it again. Dan McKee's opponents in the governor's race sits on the Commerce Board and voted against McKee's deal. Good. Bernard Bernano III tells me by phone his concern is with the viability of the stadium as a standalone project without the original residential and retail phase to go with it. But Bernano tells me any political motivation is the furthest thing from the truth, that he's not talked to his sister about the deal. Folk's campaign tells me Bornano absolutely did not consult Helena on his decision, but in a previous statement echoed similar concerns, saying the development deserves to be more than just a stadium and not confident McKee explored all options. Among the other board members voting against the proposal is Michael McNally, who has donated to Folk's campaign and told me today he hopes Folk's wins. McNally told me his vote had nothing to do with politics, but was about concern with $60 million going to a minor league soccer stadium without knowing how much more taxpayer subsidy could be needed to complete the surrounding development.
On the other side, the president of the Rhode Island AFL-CIO Labor Union, George Nee, voted for the governor's stadium plan just a few hours after the AFL-CIO endorsed McKee in the governor's race. Nee tells me today the endorsement and his stadium vote are not related at oh, all, come on. but he thinks the deal is a good plan to spur economic development and create jobs. The Tidewater plan is coming under fire from other gubernatorial candidates. Nellie Gorbea says she would have voted no and calls it another failure of leadership it by is. the administration. Dr. Luis Daniel Munoz claims it puts Rhode on a path toward 38 Studios yep. 2.0. Matt Brown points out the head of the Tidewater Development Company and lobbyists donated to McKee. And Republican Ashley Kalis says McKee is doling out corporate welfare instead of providing relief to families in need. McKee's campaign shoots back, saying the deal has strong taxpayer protections, and at Gorbea in particular, who leads in the latest poll, that a no vote from her would leave Pawtucket and the region out to dry. I'm Brian Crandall, NBC 10 News. You know, there's also, uh, folks, again, good afternoon. It's John DiPietro on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, I want to hear this turning point. The view is apologize for linking neo-Nazi protesters to Turning Point USA. Um, intentionally associating their organization with neo-Nazi protesters outside the event. After receiving a cease and desist letter, they read a statement and apologized for misunderstanding. Uh, <laughs> Let me play some of this. Oh, this was yesterday. Smeared and lied about Turning Point. Showed up outside. So they were protesting outside. A turning point and um, the Nazis were standing outside or people claiming to be Nazis I should say. Charlie Kirk suing the view. You can't smear minors as Nazis and get away with it over where the turning point is white nationalists. Um, disparage turning point. <laughs> legal note I want to hear where they were going after them um, I'd rather hear where the view was um, calling them and attacking them as uh, Matt Gates being a turning point <laughs> and there were Nazis outside protesting but there's no evidence that they were going inside so, all right, I want to play uh, some of the comments. The View had to apologize. I like when Joy Behar, Whoopi, um, I'll tell you, this show is, is The View. Whatever it was or was supposed to be, there's no shortage of controversy with it. They, they give them a lot of latitude. I'll give them that. Certainly do. Let me hear where they had to apologize. This was uh, yesterday. Goldberg smeared and lied about it. So that's not very long. Um, that's not a big one. Let me find view and turning point. 
Turning Point issue cease and desist defamatory statement. It's on the view. Apologize leaking them. We apologize. After receiving a cease and desist letter, let me. Uh, demonstrators outside the Florida Student Action Summit of the Turning Point USA group. We want to make clear that these demonstra- demonstrators were gathered outside the event and that they were not invited or endorsed by Turning Point USA. A Turning Point USA spokesman said the group, quote, 100% condemns those ideologies and said Turning Point USA security tried to remove the neo Nazis from the area but could not because they were on public property. Also, Turning Point USA wanted to clarify, uh, wanted us to clarify that this was a Turning Point USA summit and not a Republican Party event. So we apologize for anything we said that may have been unclear on these points. They still invited Matt Gates, though, I would just like to know. <laughs> Sorry. That is uh, Alyssa Farah, used to work in the Trump White House. Turning Point USA accused the view of intentionally falsely associating the organization with neo-Nazis. Of course they did. So they had to issue a, another formal correction Sarah Haynes, Whoopi remains silent, has not retracted her comments embracing Nazis. So I think this was. I've got a legal note. Yes, today. I know, I know. They're knockoff lawyers. The conservative group, Turning Point USA, has condemned the group of neo Nazis and said they have nothing to do with the organization. Yeah, but where was DeSantis? Is where I want to go. But you let them in. You let them in and you knew what they were. So you are complicit. We'll be right back. All right, so she had to apologize for that because they didn't let them in, apparently. Not doing anything that they were outside their summit in Tampa. Hmm. More problems with the view. I'll tell you, they get a lot of attention. You know what I... um. Kentucky went on Fox last night questioning the mastery of the facts on assault weapons. Hmm. Let me see that. Um, Apparently went on Laura Ingram and questioned if uh, Cicilline knew what he was talking about. This is Rep. Tom Massey. He's a little bit of a nut. Is he from Kentucky, I think? And he questions Cicilline saying he actually doesn't know what he's talking about. Folks, good afternoon, 128. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. All right, let me hear this segment right here. Here we go. Oh, yeah. They don't even know what their bill bans. And my colleague, Rep. Uh, Michelle Fishbach, she offered a very simple amendment to say, I just want to make sure you're not banning this device that's used by disabled people to fire a pistol. And that's when they said it was a machine gun. Look, this is this is a trend. They We could laugh more at their ignorance, but here's the problem, Laura. Their ignorance causes them to write bills that will cover law-abiding citizens. They wrote a bill a couple weeks ago and passed it to cover gun traffickers, but I pointed out to them it would cover victims of domestic violence if they merely borrowed a gun from their neighbor. In this same bill that they passed uh, last week that Cicilline was talking about, they're trying to ban bump stocks, but they've written it such a way it'll cover a mechanism that lightens the trigger pull, like just makes your gun easier to fire. And time and time again, they're over-legislating, I would say, because of their ignorance. So I'm torn. Do you educate them or do you just let them flop around? The problem is when they flop around, they ban everything. You know, he's not wrong in that. Of course, Cicilline doesn't know what he's talking about. 
I mean, obviously, actually, Cicilline doesn't know what he's talking about. Not even close. Folks, good afternoon. It's 1.30 on this Wednesday. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Now, we're going to talk with our legal expert, Attorney Tim Dodd, tomorrow. Let me see this. Breaking former police officer convicted George Floyd death orders orders serve three years. The, uh, according to former police with Floyd. That's not Derek Chauvin, as a matter of fact. It's not Chauvin. President Biden has announced he's just tested negative for COVID. And now he plans to uh, return to work. But some of the talk about the the J6 commission going after, um, let's see, former White House aide Cassidy Hudson has cooperated with the Department of Justice, according to a source familiar with the matter. Um. They are not going away on this. And and we are, there's definitely more information about that they were going to try to um, appoint some electors. I want to just, I want you to hear this. I know Trump people, just bear with me. But listen, you got to know what they're saying. You got to know what they're saying. By the way, his speech was great yesterday. January 6th investigation. The Justice Department is now investigating former President Trump's actions surrounding the attack on the Capitol and attempts to block certification of the 2020 election. Rachel Scott is on Capitol Hill with the latest. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning. And so much of the focus has been on those striking January 6th hearings, but the Justice Department has been leading its own separate investigation. And federal prosecutors are digging into Trump's role. This morning, ABC News has learned Donald Trump's actions are now being examined by the Justice Department as part of a criminal investigation into efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Sources say that federal prosecutors have asked witnesses about Trump's involvement, bringing in two top Penn states to testify before the grand jury. And the Washington Post reports in April, investigators obtained phone records of key Trump officials and aides, including former chief of staff Mark Meadows. We will hold accountable anyone who is criminally responsible for attempting to interfere with the transfer, legitimate lawful transfer of power from one administration to the next. For months, the House committee has been gathering evidence for its own investigation into the insurrection. Now releasing new audio of the former acting defense secretary pushing back on Trump's claims that he requested thousands of National Guard troops ahead of January 6th. There was no order from the president. I was never given any direction or order or do of any plans of, of that nature. Multiple Trump officials testified the former president watched the violence unfold on live television and resisted calls to condemn it. And for the first time since leaving office, Trump returned to the nation's capital. The former president's remarks laying out one vision for the Republican Party, repeating his false claims about election fraud and teasing a presidential run in 2024. But on the same day, his former vice president, Mike Pence, was also in town, speaking just blocks away, delivering a different message. I came today not to look backwards, but to look forward. President Biden called out Trump for making law and order a central part of that speech, insisting that anyone who incites a mob has no respect for the rule of law. As for the Justice Department's investigation, it's unclear if Donald Trump is a target of that probe. The department is declining to comment this morning, George. You know, it, um, I saw a story in the Wall Street Journal. I, by the way, I thought President Trump yesterday was great. 
he especially I'm going to play some of the sound. This new direction the investigation is going, though, is um, I, I I'd say it's a little concerning. I'd say it's a little um, the the way the investigation is going. So I want to. He can't. I thought I'd like some of his policies. Let me play. This was the ABC piece last night. Days after that primetime hearing showing where the former president was as the attack on the Capitol was unfolding, watching cable news just off the Oval Office for hours, never calling for help to end the riot. Well, today he was in D.C. talking about law and order and his former vice president, Mike Pence, who came within 40 feet of those rioters, speaking in Washington as well with a much different message. Here's Rachel Scott. It's been just days since America learned that as his supporters rampaged through the Capitol for more than three hours, Donald Trump sat in his private dining room, watching it all unfold on television, not taking the 60-second walk to the briefing room, where there's always a camera live and ready to go to tell the rioters to go home. Still today, as Trump returned to Washington for the first time since leaving office, his message, law and order. We're living in such a different country for one primary reason. There is no longer respect for the law, and there certainly is no order. But the day after the insurrection, the January 6th committee says Trump crossed out lines in his speech about punishing the rioters. The committee asking his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, why that happened. It looks like here that, that he crossed out uh, that he was directing the Department of Justice to ensure all lawbreakers are prosecuted to the full extent of the law. We must send a clear message, not with mercy, but with justice. Legal consequences must be swift and firm. Do you know why he wanted that crossed out? Uh, I don't know. In that January 7th speech, Trump could not even bring himself to say the election was over. But this election is now over. Congress has certified the results. I don't want to say the election's over. I just want to say Congress has certified the results without saying the election's over, okay? Trump repeating his election lies today. But this morning, also in Washington, a very different message from former Vice President Mike Pence, who was raced to safety just feet from the mob. Pence's message to the Republican Party, move on. I don't know that the president and I differ on issues. But we may differ on focus. I, I truly do believe that elections are about the future. And it's absolutely essential at a time when so many Americans are hurting, so many families are struggling, that we don't give way to the temptation to look back. It comes after ABC News was the first to report He's that so Pence's former chief of staff, Mark Short, testified before the federal grand jury investigating the riot. Short appearing on ABC News Live. If the mob had gotten closer to the vice president, I do think there would have been a massacre in the Capitol that day. Tonight, Attorney General Merrick Garland making it clear once again, no one is above the law, not even a former president who is considering a run in 2024. The Department of Justice is promising to hold everyone who is criminally responsible for the events surrounding January 6th accountable, David. I don't like the direction that is going. I don't like the direction that is going. I also want to... You know, that's an interesting point that they're saying, folks. And again, good afternoon at 137. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. That, um, 
that's um, the business that the Secret Service would have then just like they would have ended up shooting a lot of people. Huh. That's that's something they have not focused a lot on. Meaning the Secret Service that are around Pence and the fact that if the if they had not gotten the vice president out, so I mean it is true, they did open fire and killed Ashley Babbitt. I haven't heard that explained maybe or explored enough um, that 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 is an outcome that could have happened. I think that's um, we haven't heard a lot about that, but this seems to be going in a in a different direction. And yes, I thought President Trump yesterday. I thought that was his best speech in a while, and I like a lot of the new proposals that he was rolling out. I thought he was Newsmax carried the whole speech. Um, I thought he seemed so in the zone. I still say you put him on a debate stage and and it's still still going to knock out the champ. And him talking about the homeless yesterday and everything. I mean, I I thought he was very, very strong. It was a very, very strong speech. Not just about the homeless, but also about National Guard and crime was, um, was you know, I thought it was very big. Um, and, and he's not wrong. He does have the back of the police. Let me say, um, I, I want to play, this is um, President Trump from yesterday. Violence that is tearing apart the fabric of our nation. It's time to have the courage to say what needs to be said and to do what needs to be done to keep America safe. We've never had a time like this. We've never had anything close to what's happening right now. We owe it to the victims, we owe it to our families, and we owe it to our country to do the right thing. In the Make America Great Again movement, we believe that every citizen of every background should be able to walk anywhere in this nation at any hour of the day without even a thought of being victimized by violent crime. If we don't have safety, we don't have freedom, we don't have a country. America first must mean safety first. We have to have safety. Starting with our new majorities in Congress next year and continuing under the next Republican president, we need an all-out effort to defeat violent crime in America and strongly defeat it and be tough and be nasty and be mean if we have. You know, I, again, that I, I thought he was very strong yesterday, and I don't think you, you, you can't rule him out. We still, you know, you, you have to hear how Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, it, it's an unknown how he would be on a debate stage and how he would be on a debate stage when then he's up against a President Trump. 
it's um it, it's not just an automatic that because I do hear from people just you, you you don't know until as I tell people as well until you really see them up there you just don't know how they're gonna they're gonna do and President Trump yesterday was um I thought he was just he was very very strong he's the best I've seen him in a while and I've seen a number of his his rallies can I just I want to find folks and again good afternoon um President Trump t- talking about the homeless <laughs> put the homeless in camps you would save lives I'll say that much um here we go this is him uh attacked by a homeless here we go days earlier an olympian and women's volleyball great player was attacked by a homeless man as he was walking down the street and brutally hit in the face with a metal club almost causing her death and very close to causing blindness No civilized society turns over its public spaces to be dominated by drug addicts or the homeless, no matter what the reason may be. If liberals think it's somehow compassionate, let them invite the homeless to camp in their backyards, soil their property, attack their families, and use drugs where their children are trying to play. Let them try it. Let them try it. Letting people live in the street of a major city, or anywhere for that matter, with needles, drugs, squalor, is not good for anybody. You know, he, he's exactly right. The The whole element that there, there is no, no plan, right? There's definitely no plan. And he, he's not wrong about Something has to be done. How about him? Um, this was um, yesterday, President Trump talking about how many people a drug dealer kills. You don't hear anyone talk about this. Listen to this. Any problem. It doesn't take 15 years in court. It goes quickly. And you absolutely you execute a drug dealer and you'll save 500 lives because they kill on average five hundred people it's terrible to say but you take a look at every country in this world that doesn't have a problem with that don't have any problem you know think of that i've never heard anyone state it out that way that just one one um drug dealer can end up killing 500 people so you're you're not executing a drug dealer, you're really saving lives. His is where he talks about um, the, the tents and the homeless again. I just want to play this. Public spaces anywhere in the world. I don't care. I can look at canyons. I can look at oceans. I think the most beautiful public spaces in the world, they don't look beautiful now. Who is going to want to come to Washington, D.C., and perhaps even more importantly, when a foreign leader comes and they have meetings here, it leaves such a bad impression. They go home and say, what kind of a country has the United States turned into? It's true. And you don't think that gets around? You have to see what's what I saw today coming in. The streets were dirty. They were littered with papers. Main highway, main roads coming in. The main road. 
that we all take. They had more bottles and cigarettes and everything you can imagine, paper of all kinds, from all places, lying along the roads. That's without the tents. And then you look at the tents and the homeless, and you say, what's happening to this great bastion? You know, he's he's not wrong on that, and it doesn't make sense, and it, it isn't anything that we should ever accept. And and the, you start to. You start to accept it, this whole element. And as I've talked about, folks, here's where, um, this is, again, President Trump from yesterday. Perhaps some people will not like hearing this, Listen but the this. only way you're going to remove the hundreds of thousands of people, and maybe throughout our nation, millions of people we're talking about, and help make our cities clean, safe, and beautiful again, is open up large parcels of inexpensive land in the outer reaches of the cities, bring medical professionals, including doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, drug rehab specialists, build permanent bathrooms and other facilities, make them good, make them hard, but build them fast, and create thousands and thousands of high quality tents which can be done in one day one day and you have to move people out now some people say oh that's so horrible no what's horrible is what's happening now because now they're in tents but most of them aren't even tents that function but we have to do it because you can put up a tent in one day it would be two years three years long time if you're going to build housing that would take care of the kind of numbers that we're talking. We're talking about hundreds of thousands and probably millions of people. It will be the ambition of these people and all of us to get their life back on track, leave the tent city, and be back into the mainstream of society, which is where they want to be. I like that. He's got a plan, folks. The guy has a plan. I want to hear this one, one more time. And then you look at the tents and the homeless, and you say, what's happening to this great bastion? Perhaps some people will not like hearing this, but the only way you're going to remove the hundreds of thousands of people, and maybe throughout our nation, millions of people we're talking about, and help make our cities clean, safe, and beautiful again, is to open up large parcels of inexpensive land in the outer reaches of the cities, bring medical professionals, including doctors, psychiatrists, psychologists, drug rehab specialists, build permanent bathrooms and other facilities, make them good, make them hard, but build them fast, and create Thousands and thousands of high-quality tents, which can be done in one day, one day. <laughs> high-quality tents. You have to move people out. Now, some people say, oh, that's so horrible. No, what's horrible is what's happening now. That's right. And the, the, the homeless are preyed upon. Obviously, there were people that were going after him for this, but they, they don't have a solution. One of the things, and again, folks, good afternoon at 149. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our show on this Wednesday is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 140, uh, excuse me, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. I was going to say it's 149. 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off 146. Delicious food, drink, sit out on that deck. 
They're waiting for you. Enjoy yourself in the lounge at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. And I also want to mention um, on this uh, sunny day, folks, you could take a ride and see our friend Marie at It's My Health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. She has great products. Shop local. Quality products. It's my health. Diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant. Vitamins, herbal remedies, herbs and spices, hemp and CBD products and tea. It's my health. 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Pop it and see Marie. Stay nice and healthy. She has great products there. She also says the hemp and CBD products can, can help your pets. The, um, but the fact is, the situation with what's happening uh, right now with the homeless, I mean, that, that's not a, a you know, that, that there's no solution connected there, right? I mean, it's not, it's not a solution in any way. They're just allowing this to go on. I don't know what to make of the situation um, that they just continue these investigations. Garland is open to prosecuting is the headline. Now, none of that is good. I, I still, when you hear him speak and talk about January 6th, folks, it, it is, how do you not cheer him on? He's not afraid to take them on. What, and it, but what's happening right now, and it's one fifty one on this Wednesday, what the media, the Democrat Party, what, what they're really trying to do is they want to make it that independent voters, remember, that's what it's all about, independent voters, that, that they would be ashamed or intimidated from voting for President Trump. It begins and ends there. And I'll tell you, because the Democrat Party and the progressives, and the, they, they're, they're not voting for him. There are some Democrats, moderate Democrats did. The Republicans will. So the battle is always for the independents. The independents can push the race either way, whether it's on the national or local. You know, Alan Fung is running in CD2. It's the independents that are going to decide that. Um, more and more people feel less connected to a certain party. There are people, I am a Republican, but, and then obviously the progressives, you know, they, they were actually even, that would be something if the progressives flowed off and really kind of like restart the Green Party. But, but that's what it comes down to. And, and they, this whole thing is there are people in the past, in your family, in the workplace, who would say, yeah, I'm voting for President Trump, or, you know, yeah, I have a, a Trump hat, or whatever, you know, sign of support that it might be. Their goal is that no one, you know, no one would feel comfortable doing that. No one would feel comfortable saying that, Yes, I'm a Trump supporter. Yes, I'm a Trump voter. Don't get me wrong. Many people would have would have no bearing, right? Like the far right, the real Trump supporters, it wouldn't have any bearing on them. But it's the independence it would. I also, folks, at 153 want to mention, that was so sad last night, what happened with the state police dog that was killed. 
that total, um, I, I mean, you, you just can't get any more cowardly than that. And it was very dramatic. I wish I had known. I could have had um, I, I, I wish I had known and I could have had, you know, the police really played tremendous tribute to Frankie, the canine that was, that was killed. Um, but the, the element where he, he killed the dog, you know, just, and that, that, what a, what a beautiful canine that, and dog and, and incredibly, you could see the police were like visibly even upset and shaken by it. Someone that had worked with them, shot and killed by an armed suspect. What a complete coward zero that guy is. Um, Good. I do have the piece. Frankie, Massachusetts State Police canine, shot and killed by an armed suspect. Terrible. Um, Colonel Christopher Mason, canine Frankie. Oh, said Kate Frankie was killed as troopers tried to apprehend a suspect in Fitchburg home. Let me play the piece. Here we go. Massachusetts State Police are mourning one of their own tonight. I'm Mike Montecalvo. And I'm Shannon Heggie. This is video from within the last hour of K-9 Frankie's body arriving in Cranston to be cremated. He was transported from Massachusetts with full honors. K-9 Frankie was killed in the line of duty today during a standoff with an armed wanted fugitive in Fitchburg. 12. News reporter Amanda Pitts joins us now live from Cranston with more. Amanda. We'll make Shannon about 80 police cruisers were in that procession wow. escorting canine Frankie from a pet hospital up in Massachusetts here to Cranston where he will be cremated, getting full honors the whole way. Canine hmm. Frankie. Suspect killed the dog. What a zero. As you can see here, his handler, along with members of the state police special tactics and operations team, lined up at the entrance to final gift pet memorial center as Frankie was brought inside, draped in an American flag. Those officers are the ones who were with the canine earlier today when he was tragically killed. Police say it happened during an attempt to arrest a wanted suspect who had barricaded himself inside a home in Fitchburg. He fired at officers and hit Frankie. He was transported by ambulance to an animal hospital after after being shot, making him the first under Nero's law, which was passed last year. We're told Frankie served for about nine years and was highly decorated. In 2017, he and his handler were awarded the Medal of Valor. Now, Frankie is the first Massachusetts State Police canine to die in the line of duty. He was set to turn 11 next month. And State Police said in a statement that he was a loyal partner to his handler and had all the traits they look for in a law enforcement officer. Live in Cranston tonight, Amanda Pitts, 12 News. You know, that is so terrible. Um, very nice tribute, by the way. I'll tell you that Amanda Pitts is uh, turned into, she was at Channel 6. She has really come into her own at Channel 12. I give her credit. And she does a nice job. She's a very consistent reporter. Seems to be pleasant. 
very happy for her. Her career seems to be uh, going very well. Folks, it's 158 on this pleasant Wednesday. You're listening to, to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. How about no one won the U.S. Mega Millions last night? <laughs> so now the jackpot for Friday night goes to, with a B, $1 billion. $1 billion for this Friday night. Worth getting the ticket. Isn't it amazing that with all of the tickets that were bought, no one got the proper, got the, um, no one got the, the numbers in, in, the, uh, in the order that they were pulled or fell or however they, you know, I don't know if they do the, you just have the balls kind of pop up type of thing. But however it was done, that is um, really amazing. So now it goes to uh, $1 billion. Now, listen, I will be doing Facebook Live later. Folks, as always, I implore you, encourage you, visit the website, tobetro.com, especially if you ever miss any portion of the show. You can uh, log on there, go into radio show. And we also have some great sponsors on the website. Um, I even updated my bio, but we have... Um, and we- we have links. Whenever we go out and do one after dark and one on the scene, where we go out and do Facebook Live, uh, you can see a lot of that as well. So listen, the weather has uh, become more enjoyable. It's less humid. It is going to heat up again. But we'll enjoy the nice weather while we can. I want you to enjoy this Wednesday. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. I will be doing Facebook Live later. And then, of course, if there's breaking news, we go and cover it as it happens. So uh, the, that stadium deal in Pawtucket, it's a terrible deal. And it should be the downfall of the current governor. It's Sean DePete. WNRI Winsocket.